for the lives that you've allowed us to live. Thank you for knowing your son Jesus. Thank you that we can come together this morning as people who don't have all the answers, but we know where they're found. Father, thank you for each person here. We pray now that you would prepare us as we hear from your word. We pray that you would help us to see Jesus and him alone this morning. And we'll praise you for him and through him as we ask it in his name. Amen. You may be seated. The, re the reading today is from Luke chapter 20, verses 19 through 26. And the chief priests and the scribes the same hour sought to lay hands on him, and they feared the people, for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. And they watched him and sent forth spies, which should feign themselves just men, that they might take hold of his words, that so they might deliver him unto the power and authority of the governor. And they asked him, saying, Master, we know thou sayest and teachest rightly, neither acceptest thou the person of any, but teachest the way of God truly. Is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar, or no? But he perceived their craftiness, and said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Show me a penny, whose image and superscription hath it. They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. And they could not take hold of his words before the people, and they marveled at his answer, and held their peace. We're talking through chapter 20 of Luke. And this, as you know, is the chapter of hostile questions. It is the chapter in which those who believe themselves to be religious, honestly do, find themselves with a narrow attitude about a person who disagrees with them. Now, this could get personal after a while, so you've got to watch it here. You know in the chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 where it says, love doesn't rejoice in the wrong, but rejoices in the right? Well, these people are, really are looking for a wrong answer. That's what they're looking for. They, they haven't got a real loving attitude. They've got, they got a real attitude problem. Now, last week we talked about <clears throat> what our attitude should be as far as fearing being trapped by people who may not like us. And what we said was this, as long as we are on the side of truth, we have nothing to fear. As long as you are going for what is true, you have nothing to fear. Now, if you are going against what is true, then we are in deep weeds. Notice verse um, 18. <clears throat> Jesus said, everyone 
who falls on that stone, that stone is truth, will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. And according to John, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And so anybody who goes against the truth is in deep weeds. In 1 Samuel, the second chapter, 10th verse, it says, those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. So it's not that we have nothing to fear. We have going against the truth to fear. But it is rather that we have no people to fear. We don't need to be afraid of people. Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can harm your flesh. Only be afraid of that which can cast you into hell. Don't be afraid of those who can just harm the body. I might add, don't be afraid of those who can just harm the reputation. Don't be afraid of those who can try to damage you emotionally. Don't be afraid of those people who hold a certain sway over you. Don't be afraid of those. Be afraid only of missing spiritual truth. That's key. I can't tell you, the scripture assures us again and again and again and again, if people are against what God is doing, there is, we, we, just, we ought to just be able to shake it off and laugh. Look in the second, look at Psalms 2. Let me read that to you. Psalms chapter 2. This, this is not only for individuals, this is for nations. Look at this. Why are the nations in an uproar? And the peoples devising a vain thing. Now watch this. The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. You know, you're included in that. Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Well, he who sits in the heavens laughs, and the Lord scoffs at them. You don't have anything to fear if you're on God's side. Scripture says, what is it? It says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Okay? So we've got to make sure that starting out, if we, with all of our sincerity, are seeking after God's heart, we know we don't have anything to fear. Now, so what then do you do when people come up and all of a sudden you are drawn to their little cubbyhole questions? And they're checking you out religiously, see? They're seeing what, if you really know the Lord. Now, here's the first thing you notice about people. They always give their answer in their question. You ever notice that about people? When they're asking a question, they tell you what they want their answer to be in most questions. And so you know where mo what most people want you to answer before they ever get the question out of their mouth. They tell you by, their, by the words in their question, they tell you by their attitude. And they tell you, they wink at you as if it would help if you would want to be attracted or have their approval. That's exactly what happened here. Look at the, look at the words here. It says, they, they really build them up. Teacher, rabbi. We know that you speak and teach correctly, which is French for don't mess up this answer. You know, when somebody comes up to you and says, you know, you are a wise person, you know, I really think you are sharp. 
what is the human side of you want to do? Yeah? Give me, give, me a, give me a question here that I can, you know, Lord, don't let me mess this one up. I mean, you really don't want to mess it up, do you? So they're setting him up here, okay? Teach correctly. And you are not partial to any. In other words, you don't have to answer the way we want you to. And as a matter of fact, whatever your answer will be, we'll know that it wasn't just for us. But teach the way of God in truth. Now here comes the hammer. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, of course it's lawful. That's a stupid question. They're not asking about the law. Caesar decreed that taxes would be paid. That is a moot point. They're talking religiously. Where is your spirit in this? Okay? Now, the first thing we want to do when people ask us a question and we know the answer they want is we want to continue with the approval that they have tentatively given us. Very important word. If people's approval for you rests upon your answer, I want to tell you right then, you're in a lot of trouble. You're in a lot of trouble. Because no matter what answer you give them, that approval somewhere down the line is going to end, even if it has to, even if it has to end it with such a misunderstanding of what you've told them that it's unbelievable. If you will look, as a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 23, verse 2, you will see something that is absolutely unbelievable. Jesus stood there and told them that day, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Yes, pay taxes. And when they brought him before Pilate, what was the charge they levied against him? He told them not to pay taxes. So it doesn't matter what answer you give people who are out for you, does it? Because they're not looking for answers, they're looking for your hide. And if you are intimidated, especially religiously, by people, oh, I've got to prove to them I'm a real good Christian. Or I've got to prove to them I have the right theological answer. I want to tell you right now, it doesn't matter to them. Because if they're out to get you, they're out to get you. If you weren't paranoid before you came here, you'd be paranoid after you leave. But it doesn't, doesn't matter. Because paranoid or not, you've got to stick to the truth. So there is a danger, and Jesus certainly must have wanted their approval. Wouldn't that have been fine to have their approval? But not enough to get into the trap. Second thing I want you to see is Jesus did not stick to the two answers they gave him. Most people will give you one of two answers they want you to choose. You don't need to stick to those two answers. There's more than one way you can answer any question. And we'll get to that in a second. The third thing I want you to see is it is not necessary always to answer, to feel the pressure to, to answer immediately. Do you remember what happened when this mob brought the woman who had been caught committing adultery to Jesus? You remember what happened? What was his immediate response to them? He didn't have an immediate response to them. He reached down and drew on the ground. 
He was standing there drawn. Did you ever wonder what he was drawn? All these Bible commentators killed me. I mean, well, of course, he was writing a message. He was, you know, he was pointing a finger, you know. Nobody knows what he was drawn. What he was doing was buying time. He wanted them to calm down, and he wanted to be able to have the freedom to come up with an answer that was more than just an answer, but would point to their spirits. See? So he took the authority to answer in his own time. In other words, he took the authority not to answer until he had one. Don't answer until you have one. And don't answer until you know your answer has the Spirit of God. It may not be phrased just the way you want it, but has the attitude of God, has the Spirit of God. Take your time. Don't be pressured. I heard it. Becky and I spent this week in Washington, D.C., and uh, it was a great week. And I heard a, guy, I heard a guy talk. He was a pilot from Canada. There were 140 countries represented in this thing we went to. And he was a pilot from Canada. And he said, he said uh, you know, he was flying around in a small plane, and he heard come over the radio. He heard this voice come over the radio, radio that was calling into the airport where he was going. Calgary Towers. Calgary Towers. This is November 2375 from Dallas Fort Worth area. And I wonder if y'all give me a weather report. And there's a small gap, and this, this um, voice come back over and said, Thank you, November 2375. The weather is 20 degrees. It was fairly clear, light winds, uh, high visibility. Thank you very much. Long pause. Calgary Tower, Calgary Tower. This is November 2375. Y'all hear how slow I talk? Well, that's how slow I listen. I want you to have the authority to take your time. Jesus, Jesus came. He was just standing there, and they said, well, give us an answer. And he just said, well, anybody got a coin? You got a coin? So they're starting to <laughs> reach it. Yeah, here, you know. He just said, well, who's, uh, who's image? You know, there was nothing rushed about his answer. Take your time. Don't believe that you have to please people. Believe that your answer has to be a spirit-filled answer. And if you haven't got one, don't give one. Don't give one. Because the most important thing is not trying to get somebody's approval. The most important thing is speaking the truth in love. That's the most important thing. Now, it's also important to remember this, that 
If there are limitations to be placed upon your life, that those limitations come from God and not from you and not from anybody else. Let me say that again. If there are limitations to be placed on your life, you let God set those limitations. And don't let people set those limitations. And don't let you set those limitations. People seek answers for many reasons. Some out of anger. Some out of theology. Some out of insecurity. Some out of suspicion. Some out of this, some out of this. People seek them for many reasons. And we tend to narrow our answer. And to be forced into, you know, Romans 12, 2 says what? Don't be conformed to this world. See? Don't be conformed to this world. And what we do is we tend to want to answer in reciprocity of the mold that it's been asked. And so therefore we automatically limit our response to a human response. God sees a bigger picture. He sees a bigger picture. And it is so important because if we just limit ourselves to two things because we're so frustrated, nine times out of ten we're going to choose the wrong thing because we're choosing it out of emotion and not out of wisdom. I read a story this week about a, a little uh, guy who went golfing, you know, and everything went wrong. Everything went wrong. If he didn't hook, he sliced. And if he didn't slice, he missed the ball altogether. And he was just having the most fright. And every time he'd miss the ball, you, you could just tell he wanted to say something. And his veins would stick. But he wouldn't say anything. He, he wasn't going to say anything. He wasn't going to curse like he wanted to curse. So anyhow, on the 11th hole, after he had missed his fourth putt, he lost it. He took all of his golf balls and he threw them into the pond and he took three of his golf clubs and he broke them over his knee and he laid down on the green and he sobbed. I've got to give it up. I've got to give it up. And the caddy said, golf? He said, no, the ministry. <laughs> if you're under pressure to choose one or the other, you probably choose the wrong one to give up. See? Because when we're under that kind of pressure, what, went to, what, wants, what, what wants out? That's easy enough for me to say. Flesh. The flesh is what wants out. The spirit doesn't have that kind of pressure, does it? I mean, God has his own time about things, doesn't he? So anytime we're, out of, anytime we're feeling pressure, we're in the flesh. See? So when you make a choice because of pressure it may well be the wrong choice. I want you to stop just for a moment. And I want you to think, before we go on with worship, before we take communion, because I, there'll be a time to respond to this later on, I want you to think about the people in your life who seem to be pressuring you right now and who you are tempted to reply to instead of listening to God. I want you to think of the 
the answers that you feel like you need to come up to, come up with for other people. And think of those people and then begin to question why do I need to come up, come up with answers for those people? And what are the answers I'm about to come up with that may not be God's answers? And are there more answers? Is it more than an either-or situation? I mean, if my relationship with them depends on an either-or situation, will it really be something that lasts forever? I mean, if they are coming to me in a hostile way? And I want to tell you to be sure that there are some, there are some decisions that we have to make. I mean, I, I don't want anybody to think, you know, well, it says don't commit adultery, but there must be a way around this, you know? I mean, there are some moral decisions, there are some no compromise decisions that we need to make as people of God in this world. But you know what? So many of those we think are from God are not from Him at all. They're from men. They're from our own background. They're from our own emotions. They're from our own desire to please people. What is God's choice for your life? That's the question. What would God have you do? Because if you can get a focus on that, you'll never need to be afraid of anything or of anyone. And you will be able to love the way you never could have loved before. This thing we went to this week, Becky said, don't do a bunch of name dropping. So I'm not going to tell you any names. I'm just going to tell you that at the head table, there was the president, <laughs> the vice president, the secretary of state, Billy Graham, the commandant of the Marine Corps, Miss America. See, I didn't say one name, <laughs> did I? No. I'm not afraid of you. Anyhow, <laughs> I'm just speaking the truth. I tell you all that to tell you that there were 3,500 people there from 140 countries. And the fellow that was sitting beside me was a, a member of parliament from Kenya. And I asked him about his spiritual life, and he was a Muslim. Now, my first inclination was to get real obnoxious and real forceful with this guy. Really? What do you think of Jesus? You know? But it was a wonderful talk. I said, teach me about Islam. And boy, he, he could rattle it right off, you know? And then I talked a little bit about Jesus, you know? And I could just tell because I did respect him, and I really did, and because I, did, I was interested in where he was at, and I really was, I could tell that we had an option there that we didn't have before. And so when we got up, we swapped addresses. Well, he didn't have a card, but we gave him an address and said, we want your kids to write our kids. And at the end of it, he said, come to Kenya and preach Christianity. Wasn't that neat? I thought, man, is that cool. So I'm not going to go because, you know. <laughs> I mean, I might someday, but it's just a long trip, and we just got back. But, 
But the thing is, we didn't get into an either-or situation. I didn't feel the compulsion to be obnoxious. I just felt the compulsion to love. And I really believe that somewhere down the line, God's going to use what was started there. What is there that you're almost ready to throw out of your life that God sent to you to use? You know, the only difference between a stumbling block and a stepping stone is the way you use it. It's the only difference. It's the only difference. What is there that you're about ready to tell, go take a hike, that God specifically sent to you because he wanted it in your love and care? Well, let's worship for a while. Worship team, come out, and we're going to pray while you come out. And... Uh, and then we're going to take communion together. Would you pray with me? God, help us to come to you right now in worship. And, and as we do with your Holy Spirit, would you please bring to our mind anything that stands in the way of us completely giving our lives to you? Anyone that, that we are attracted to more than we're attracted to you? Anyone that we listen to more than we listen to you? Would you please bring that to mind so that we can face it and we can love you better? In Jesus' name, amen. you worship with me you did not wait for me to draw near to you but you clothed yourself with frail humanity you did not wait for me to cry out to you but you let me hear your voice calling me and I'm forever grateful to you. I'm forever grateful through the cross. I'm forever grateful to you that you came to seek and did not wait for me to draw near to you, but you clothed yourself with frail humanity. You did not wait for me to cry out to you, but you let me hear your voice calling me, and I'm save the lost 
and I'm forever grateful. I'm forever grateful for the cross. I'm forever grateful to you that you came to seek and lost. Would you stand up with me? Psalm 117 says, Praise the Lord, all nations everywhere. Praise Him, all you people of the earth, for He loves us dearly, and His faithfulness endures forever. Great is Thy faithfulness, O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with Thee. Thou changest not Thy compassions, they fail not. As Thou hast been, Thou Thine own. 